Hello, and welcome to the Terralex Insights Podcast, where our goal is to present multicultural perspectives by leading professionals. These perspectives on contemporary issues will help lawyers and business people work better together. I'm your host, Terry Pepper Gavlik, Terralex's Chief Business Officer. And today we're talking about a couple of my favorite contemporary subjects, actually, with two guests from Nelson Worldwide, which is an award-winning firm whose services transform many of the dimensions of the human experience for their clients, which includes all different kinds of companies. We'll let them tell you a little bit more about that, but also law firms. And um, the focus of the company, as I understand it, is to provide their clients with strategic and creative solutions that will positively impact their lives, their environments, their work environments, places where they work, serve, play, but more about that to come. I can't wait to hear about some of the solutions. I know we talked a little bit in preparation for this, and there are some interesting things there. So joining us today are Barb, Barb Risky from uh, the Workplace Practice Group at Nelson Worldwide, and Barb is the workplace leader there, and Marty Fessenstein, who is the practice leader for the legal part of Nelson Worldwide. So welcome to the podcast, Barb and Marty. How are you today? Good. Thank you so much for having us, Terry. We are delighted. Thanks, Terry. It's probably a great idea to start with hearing a little bit of the background from each of you and, um, you know, and a little bit more about what you do and also about the company. So, Barb, you want to start off? Yeah, sure. I'll start out. I'm uh, the workplace leader and client development leader at Nelson. I work with across our markets with our market leaders in 21 of our offices, and I'm focused on best practices, delighting our customers and creating workplaces that are tools for their businesses, not just containers for their businesses. Recently, we have been working with clients on how to bring their workforces successfully back to the office. Yeah, it's on everybody's <clears throat> mind. Yeah, um, some are looking for a hybrid model. You've heard a lot about that and read a lot of in the press and lots of business articles in terms of the hybrid model. Some are looking at the hub and spoke model and some will remain the same. Most is, importantly is that during this time that many of us have been at home, we've gone through several change cycles. Our first cycle was getting acclimated to working at home and the second cycle was, are we going to be at home permanently? And I better make sure my home office is equipped for that. And now people want to go back to the office. So there's a lot of questions to be answered, but I believe that the constant is that things are ever changing and you have to have help accommodating that change. So we've been helping a lot of our clients with that as well. So, and before I call on Marty, at Nelson Worldwide, there are some like core specific services, I think you, I think I saw architecture and branding and yeah. what, are, what are those services so people understand exactly what you do? So Nelson is primarily an architectural design and engineering firm. Um, we have other practices besides workplace and, and legal workplace. We also have hospitality, mixed use, healthcare, retail, Ed, higher education, um, civic, and residential. So we practice in a lot of areas, and those integrated practices really help inform what's going on in workplaces. And I'm sure we'll touch on that later. Absolutely. Um, part of the excitement about working at our type of firm. Um, we also have a lot of services. I mentioned that one of those primary services is engineering, but we have other things like branding and graphic design, 
workplace services. So those are consulting services, strategic. I also mentioned earlier change management. Um, we work in the sustainability area with our clients if they need a certification. And we design uh, basically from green uh, regardless, but net zero buildings, all those exciting things that are happening in sustainability. And then right now, I think what's most importantly is that we do research and benchmarking and we look at the insights into how people want to return to the workplace. So um, I returned yesterday, although I'm home again today, it's everybody wants to go back to the workplace and then you sit in traffic and have to pack your breakfast and your lunch and your gym bag. And, oh, yeah, I forgot all the anxiety Mm -hmm. involved in going back to to the office. uh, Yeah. Yeah. And that's why we're looking at the hybrid model. I think that we've reached a tipping point. I think that people are more comfortable working from home than ever. And we're all collaborating with collaboration tools like we're on. Uh, you know, a Zoom call while we're doing this podcast today and collaborating that way. So I think that we've become more accustomed to it, but definitely the workplace is important for many other things. Absolutely. So Marty, I know that you are the are the practice leader for legal, which of course touches our Terralex members. Tell us a little bit about your area and your background. Um, thank you, Terry. Early in my career, um, I had the good fortune to be exposed to the legal industry on some large scale uh, projects. And it, uh, it gave me a perspective and insight relative to what I enjoyed doing. Uh, and that was working with uh, individuals who were uh, smarter than me, uh, more educated than me, but not necessarily well-versed in striking and creating the right workplace environment for what they do in terms of servicing their clients every day. And it seemed to mold and modify to a continuum uh, focusing on this vertical. And then beyond the four walls of the Chicago market moved to a much more national perspective. And, um, but what I enjoy most is um, helping craft uh, the next workplace in the spirit of the strategic direction for the project, ensuring that you're exposing your client to their options and opportunities, especially in light of what the pandemic has enabled for an industry that has historically been slow to adopt change. Mm-hmm. Um, and this particular vertical also enjoys understanding um, best practices and metrics relative to where they might stand as compared to their competition or peer firms. And so we spend a lot of time uh, gathering the benchmark data uh, relative to our law firm projects from New York to California and everything in between because the industry um, uh, needs that because it helps them uh, make informed decisions relative to 
um, recruitment and uh, retaining great staff. So as client development leader for this particular vertical, uh, helping establish, assisting and guiding our clients in that strategic direction is critical. What I find fascinating is how these benchmarks, which historically have not changed greatly over my career, have seen more change in the past five to six years Mm -hmm. than in the previous 25. And I attribute that to um, uh, three primary uh, uh, issues. Shifts uh, in the economy, shifts in generational influences as as attorneys retire and the next generation of partners being established, and the influence of evolution uh, and evolving technology. Those three factors, I can easily pinpoint whether it was 2001, 2007, 8, 9, or what's happening now post-pandemic, I can easily pinpoint how these metrics and these benchmark data points are changing as a result of those three primary factors. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's exciting to see that in many instances, still undefined totally, uh, there's an there's another evolution afoot uh, relative to workplace futures for this particular vertical. Well, and certainly accelerated by the recent uh, experiences with the pandemic, and I yes. think that's been such an incredible accelerant. Before we get a little bit more into the the law firm environment and some of the things there, though, I I, I wanted to cover a topic that is certainly near and dear to our hearts at Terralex because it's what our entire strategy is based on, and that is the topic of collaboration. And it's because when we were prepping for this podcast and I was getting to know your company a little bit, I was um, really interested in hearing about how you practice and you learn lessons from one of your verticals to another. So for example, from one industry sector to another. And um, Barb, maybe address that a little bit, because I think you have a really collaboration rich environment that fosters that. Um, Am I right about that? Yeah. And I, you know, and I would say, and and we're going to be talking about this for years to come is that the pandemic really did help that collaboration because we learned uh, how to use new tools, new software, and we really got to know the other practices so well because of what, how they were doing within their individual markets and what they were doing to help their clients in their markets as well. Um, But attaching your employees to a brand is really critical to a firm's success in the world today. Uh, It used to be that, you know, in, in my dad's workplace that he would go in and it was his whole life and he stayed at that firm for his whole entire career. And that's not true anymore. We don't see that very often. And so 
really expressing your brand within your workplace has become more and more important to an organization in terms of attraction and retention. In terms of your sales and in terms of your revenue, having ambassadors for your firm is very important. So we've learned a lot from our retail practice. You know, um, once e-commerce and distribution came about, came about, their whole world changed on the retail side of things. And so the workplace is going through a similar evolution right now. And some of the things that we can take from retail is how they attach the physical space to the digital space. And Terry, there's a new word for that. Uh -oh. And it's Physical, see, I can't even say it. Physical, physical. Oh yeah, my goodness, it's, it's, <laughs> a new word. <laughs> it's digital, digital, and physical. Um, so, how people can use that those digital tools within their environment, within the physical world, to enhance their brand and to help the work happen at a more involved pace. So how you can really get people involved in their brand through their digital tools is very important within a workplace. And we've learned that from retail. Is, can, you, can you give yeah, an, a, maybe a specific example? Cause it, it, it's a great, I mean, conceptually <clears throat> it sounds great, but it probably will help our listeners if they have a, an example of something like that. Yeah, so I definitely can give you an example of that. We work with T-Mobile on the retail side. And once you walk into a T-Mobile store, you use a digital tool to help you understand what their products are. And you get very attached to the product through large LED screens and through all of the digital information that is coming at you in a T-Mobile in a store. You're also going to be able to connect to an app as opposed to buying the product in the store and order that over the app that you've connected to and get it delivered to your home. It's similar in the workplace now in that we can use an app to bring up a um, LED screen so that we can work on a, a spreadsheet with our workmates or that you can get a coupon uh, for lunchtime from the organization that you can use at one of the local retailers. So those type of things are really helping connect the digital and the physical world. When you say that, I just heard a story yesterday. One of our member firms, um, was doing a lunch program with their lawyers who are still not working in the office yet. And they sent them a coupon or a, a, a link that they could get use Uber eats to get their lunch, just like you'd walk into the conference room and get your lunch, but they right. did it that way. And I can think of several parallels to that kind of brand immersive experience with other member firms, stories I've heard about how they'll manage all the contract agreements for, you know, hundreds of contracts in a particular industry sector for a client's using proprietary technology that's branded for the firm. So every time the client wants their own information, they're, they're connecting to the law firm. So yeah, that's, that's really interesting that um, yeah. those lessons are coming <clears throat> over. 
Yeah, and oh. it's, you know, it's similar to, to hospitality in the workplace. You know, you can get your room key on an app now. Same, you can call your call an elevator in your workplace and the elevator will come get you. And then you can turn on the lights within a particular conference room. The other thing that we're doing is we're using AI to under help us understand the utilization of mm -hmm. a space. And we can also use that for safety to understand if a space is getting too crowded um, for the organization and, and what you know spaces are being used for what types of activities. So we've learned a lot from the hospitality industry as well. And in that spirit of the uh, collaborative approach to integrated service delivery and what we've learned from the hospitality industry the need technology has enabled less dependency on client facing traditional uh, conferencing rooms. So we're seeing the need for the 15, the, the, the 12, 14, 16, 18 person room diminish uh, greatly. Uh, more dependency on smaller meeting spaces. But the one thing that's not going away at all, Terry, is the need for a very flexible, multi-purpose kind of application, no matter the size of the firm. Mm -hmm. It's how they connect to their clients and future clients. It's how they connect to the community in which they serve. Um, and many times opening up their space to non-for-profits and associations to use their space and create greater connection. But what's fascinating relative to food and beverage service, technology that's used in large meeting spaces, the experience that one might have in a four-star hotel uh, from the experience in entering the foyer with the concierge uh, and the flexibility associated with how one space can serve multiple purposes by using furniture forms and flexible partitioning in order to create different venues. This is an example of the collaborative question that you uh, are asking and how a multidiscipline firm like Nelson works with our other practice areas to influence uh, a number of uh, unrelated, if you will, users of space. Yeah. When you said multi-purpose, I had a flashback to my very first law firm job. And that was what we called our big space. And we used it for entertaining clients primarily, but we had a caterer who always cooked, you know, five-star meals. And I, I miss working in a place where you smelled prime rib every day, <laughs> except for the days when you were smelling lobster. That was good. <laughs> yeah. I guess those days are pretty much gone, huh? <laughs> the, we're not seeing it very much anymore, <laughs> but uh, there's a whole nother discussion we can have at some other time about the offerings that yeah. uh, that 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 um, uh, corporations and 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 law firms are uh, providing to their people in the spirit of uh, their health and well-being, uh, oftentimes subsidized, 
but uh, very healthy offerings just to show your health matters to us. Yeah. I mean, we're going through that right now. We're moving to new space in November. And when we're on our build out, we've made sure that there's nobody has a permanent desk. You can pick what you want the day you come in and who you're collaborating with, but at least half of them are desks that raise and lower. And we have a, a bike desk that people can, you know, ride their bike on and things like that. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. So a couple of issues you may, raised, Marty, made me think about, um, you know, certainly that there's definitely uh, changes in the approaches that law firms are taking. And a lot of that may be caused by um, all of the demands that are changing. And the generational one is, is one. I mean, we, we certainly see some of our members now going to open work environments and, um, and I'm sure now COVID's going to make them think about how you do that safely because, you know, nobody had a desk and, or if you have a desk, it's bumped up to someone else's desk, even up to the managing partner. Are you seeing those kinds of open approaches or the hoteling approaches to work increasing, decreasing, staying the same, or it's too soon during the pandemic to tell? Uh, great question, Terry. And um, relative to um, sea shifts 14 months into a pandemic uh, would be a um, overstatement. But what is interesting is well before the pandemic, uh, many studies regarding space usage, something Barb referenced earlier, were done. Whether it was AI or something much more um, traditional, and that is studying the car key access systems that almost every single law firm has and the uh, history of that access throughout the course of the month. And what's, what we found fascinating was the percentage of attorneys coming to the office every day, or more importantly, not coming to the office every day pre-pandemic, which in many instances was as high as 30% of the attorneys are not coming in 30% of the time, <laughs> yet a space was dedicated to themselves 100% of the time. And so to, to understand the success because of technology's enablement that they have had, the legal industry has had servicing their clients over the past 14 months um, was not surprising to me based upon what we learned well before March of 2020. What is now being seriously considered, and we're, we're already implementing it with many firms, is some mobility strategy, some hybrid strategy, um, which is rooted in part to overall cost reduction, mm -hmm. but has a lot of other potential benefits. And by the way, not exclusive of challenges either. Um, but, you know, if you are a working mother or a working father, who are dependent on children and the policies and procedures at the particular firm are very different from two and you're considering a career change or a new career. That flexibility being offered to you to uh, not have to come into the office 100% of the time and still be productive and still perform to the expectations 
of the executive committee uh, of the firm could be very attractive. And so we are seeing, uh, and the uh, exploration process uh, in the infancy of a project, the um, uh, due diligence, if you will, of understanding firm culture, qualitative and quantitative needs, we are seeing a lot of questions being asked right now regarding a hybrid model. It is resulting in um, favorable uh, uh, results, um, but to say that every law firm is going to embrace this, uh, it would be inappropriate because it's not for every culture yeah. and it's not for every practice, Terry. Absolutely. And I think there's cost considerations as well, because it's, if your lease is coming up, it's easier to con contemplate some of these changes in how you operate and changes in your workplaces versus if you're still tied into another seven years on your lease, do you want to spend the money to retool where you are now? And so you may have to wait it out. And by then the world will have moved on in some other way as well. So it's very slow moving. I appreciate your example uh, or a reference to seven years on a lease. Um, if if the lease was structured in such a way that there was early out options or right of first refusals or uh, what have you, um, you might have the opportunity over your lease term to do things strategically over the term of that lease. But with seven years remaining, the weighted out reference that you made uh, is likely true. Yeah. Um, but um, what what we what we are uh, are seeing is um, a lot more interest than expected in this, and I know you know this. After salaries and benefits, a law firm's biggest cost historically is their cost of occupancy. Sure. So, if you can save those costs and redeploy them into uh, better technology, investments in people, um, uh, continuing legal education uh, approaches. These are all things that are benefiting um, their staff. And that is uh, viewed as a, a thoughtful approach to the real estate spend. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Marty, if I could if I could add on to that, I also think that we've really embraced um, empathy and being empathetic for each individual's journey in life and now in in the workplace. And just like people were hesitant when we went to more open offices and they were worried about their heads down time, I think that we've become more empathetic to. Uh, the neurodiversity that happens within our spaces. You know, we've, we've accommodated, um, not in, in a big enough way, we still have to work on it, um, but we, you know, have ADA that we're, we're accommodating people in the workplace. We have, you know, uh, other diversity requirements within our work, workplaces, but looking at each individual's neurodiversity is, also important and what's important to them in terms of their productivity. And everybody wants to be productive. It's just gonna happen in different ways. So we've been very tuned into that. 
in our workplace practice and our legal practice and accommodating the ways people want to work. Well, and it's interesting, and I'll, maybe I'm going to be a little controversial here, but um, having you know worked in law firms and with law firms for many, 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 many decades now, I hope that sticks. I don't know how much stickiness it has when you go back into the office and there's that competition factor again and yeah. the timesheet which is, you know, just a constant, you have to fill it up with a certain amount of hours per day and, mm-hmm. um, and other considerations tend to fall by the wayside. So I'm watching that very carefully to just see how that plays out. It's, it's going to be interesting. It I appreciate interesting. your comment about sticking, um, Terry, but, um, right now, it, it appears as if it is given such a degree of seriousness that it not sticking seems um, uh, inevitable. Uh, and so what, 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 what I appreciate about what Barb said about uh, neurodiversity also takes into consideration the whole issue of diversity and inclusion. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the accommodation of people and the whole sticking factor, and it, it it may surprise you, Terry, but the opportunity to include can be very much to influence in placemaking. No, no, surprise me at and, all. It, and and what where, where that's rooted is in the types of options and choices in what you are providing to people relative to A, confidentiality, B, um, uh, uh, diversion, meaning uh, how to still be productive in the spirit of the billable hour, but not necessarily doing it in the context of four walls and a door mm-hmm. at 150 to 120 square foot footprint <laughs> um, and um, allowing them to uh, engage in uh, not only different types of spaces that support how they're feeling at the moment, but also in the spirit of how when working in that um, billable hour uh, also allows them to engage with other individuals within the firm, grow, cross market, and build opportunity for building the practice. I'm still watching with uh, careful, <laughs> with with a hope, but a little bit of skepticism. We'll see. Yes. Um, I just think about how long things took to change, like library spaces and, yeah. mm-hmm. um, you know, accommodations for nursing mothers and things like that. So we'll see. I hope this, that's why I'm hoping if anything good comes out of this pandemic, it's that it is an accelerant for positive change. So um, in the last few minutes we have together, I wanted to just raise one other topic that's such a big topic, but see if either of you wanted to just talk a little bit about it, because I don't think a day goes by where where this doesn't come up in conversations with law firms, and that is sustainability and not just, you know, what their efforts are, but also the pressures they're getting from their clients to show their sustainable efforts. Are you, is that impacting workplaces and not just in legal, but, you know, Barb, you may have some perspective on other industries as well. 
Yeah, I, I mean, sustainability has been a part, it's been part of our fabric, oh gosh, probably in a big way for the last 10 years. There is a certification, obviously, um, that you can gain, and it's got different levels of sustainability that are achievable. We're also seeing a major tipping point in wells certification and Fitwell, and that has more to do with the whole environment surrounding the individual and how the individual can, and part of that is what I talked about uh, earlier, neurodiversity and empathy, um, how the individual can really achieve a better well environment um, for themselves within, within the firm. So while everyone didn't go for a certification um, prior to uh, the pandemic, certainly more people are going to be looking at well and fit well, which is an, another certification more around the physicality of a space when they're thinking about attraction and retention. It's kind of sad, but uh, this next generation and the current generation which of workers, which makes up the majority of our environments, they're very concerned about sustainability and about wellness and about balance. And these are the people that we need to keep happy and productive within their spaces. So making sure that we pay attention to that is a, a very big deal for Nelson and it's a very big deal for organizations that support law firms. Yeah. And I have a lot of optimism on this subject because of the client demands coming down the pike. And um, so that's going to be, uh, that's going to push it. What about you, Marty? What are your thoughts on this subject? Terry, it, it's, it's interesting to um, share with you uh, the percentage of our law firm clients pursuing an actual level of certification in their workplaces. It's historically, it's only been about 30%. And I do think that that will change uh, as the demands of their clients uh, increase. At a minimum, all of our clients, whether they're pursuing a particular degree of certification or not, are very sensitive to environmental issues, energy conscious issues. And you know what? There's no getting around it relative to the laws being put into place like Title 24 in California uh, or the demands of uh, particular cities, states or uh, other uh, uh, national codes. Uh, there's no getting around it. And so um, it is a conscious effort being made by every law firm, which is uh, differently uh, struck or had regarding those pursuing a deliberate level of certification. And I, I'm not sure that we're going to see uh, platinum, silver, gold levels continuing to be pursued, but what will be uh, continuing is the sensitivity to uh, environmentally conscious decisions in materiality, energy. And what will be fascinating is the whole idea of uh, the quality of air, especially mm -hmm. 
post-pandemic and what's happening with the amount of fresh air exchanges and the demands of tenants regarding that, the nature of filtering and the demands of tenants regarding that, all in the spirit of a well thought, uh, no pun intended, uh, uh, approach, but also in the spirit of energy conservation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, and uh, I mean, even when we were planning our new space that we're moving into, it was one of the first things we asked is, you know, what's the filtration system like and what accommodations do we need to make? And at that time, we had no idea how long it would be till the vaccine program rolled out, which of course now, you know, by the time we move in, I think our whole team will have been vaccinated, but that doesn't mean something new isn't going to come down the pike and you don't need those protections. And I think on this whole notion of ESG or the environmental and social governance and some of these other issues, um, I don't think we've seen a proposal request come from clients to law firms in the last six months where it wasn't asked for and they need to provide not just a list of, you know, their intentions, but actual achievements and efforts. And so I think, I'm not sure, I think you will see some certification, increasing certifications as that's a tangible way to show, you know, the efforts that you're making. And it's, um, it's not just you saying what you're doing, but it's someone else verifying basically what you're doing. But it'll be interesting. It's a space we're um, watching really closely because it does impact all of our members and their clients around the globe. So well, this has been really interesting. We could probably talk all afternoon, but I know most of our listeners listen while they're driving, running, et cetera. So they've probably finished those activities. I appreciate you both very much for taking the time to join us on the Terralex Insights podcast. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. And just to remind our listeners that we were talking to um, Marty Festenstein, Festenstein and Barb Rixie. I've been practicing their names. And of course, I almost messed it up from Nelson Worldwide. And um, Nelson Worldwide is doing some really interesting things. So I would encourage our listeners to log into their website, which is nelsonworldwide.com, if I believe, if I'm correct. Thank you, Terry. It's been uh, most enjoyable talking to uh, you and your uh, listeners as well. Thank you.